Hi, I'm Melody Ding. I'm a senior research fellow at Sydney School of Public Health at the University of Sydney. Melody Ding, many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet podcast. We're discussing the latest series published by the Lancet, and this concerns physical activity. It is the second series that the Lancet has published about physical activity, four years after the last one, because of course, some of you may remember, physical activity series one was time to coincide with the 2012 London Olympics and this time four years later we publish Physical Activity Series 2 coinciding of course the Rio Games starting on August the 5th. Can you for context just remind us because of course it's relevant we want some continuity here between the two series. What were the main and key messages coming out of Lancet Physical Activity Series 1 back in 2012? couple of key messages coming out of the first series launched in 2012. The first one is that we recognize that physical inactivity has major effects on population health worldwide and it contributes to a substantial proportion of chronic disease such as heart disease, diabetes, and some cancers. And physical inactivity is responsible for more than 5 million deaths annually worldwide. And despite of the detrimental health consequences, unfortunately, worldwide, there's more than 30% of the adults and more than 80% of adolescents who are not being sufficiently active. And in the previous series, we also reviewed why some people are more active and others are not. And then we review evidence-based interventions from around the world and to encourage wide dissemination of these evidence-based approaches. We also discussed how information and communication technologies such as mobile phones could be used as an effective way to encourage millions of people worldwide to be more physically active. And I think that if I can say there's one major message that come out of the previous series is that physical inactivity, because of its prevalence and its colossal harms, it is considered a global pandemic. And we call for global action to tackle this global pandemic. And in light of that excellent summary from Physical Activity Series 1, how different is Physical Activity Series 2 in terms of scope and detail? Physical Activity 2 really built upon Physical Activity Series 1 in terms of providing new issues. For example, one question that was left unanswered from Series 1 was the economic burden of physical inactivity. So in Series 2, we provide the world's first estimate based on data from 142 countries, representing more than 90% of the world's population. And another very interesting topic that we cover in Series 2 is sedentary behavior. Sedentary behavior has been reported as a key emerging risk factor. However, there's one issue that we're not sure, whether by being physically active, one can eliminate the harm of sitting. So there's one paper in this series that answers that question by using data from more than 1 million adults from around the world. In addition to these two articles, we have an update paper that provides updates on each one of the topics in Series 1, including global prevalence, health consequences, correlates and determinants, interventions, and policies. We also have a new paper on how to scale up intervention to the population level. Presumably, one of the the great concerns among the physical activity field within global health is that from series one, a number of initiatives have been created to at country level to 
increased physical activity of populations and I know population health is slow moving and it takes a long time to measure but we're not yet seeing better health outcomes are we? Is that concerning? It would suggest that we know the problem and we're creating structures to do something about it but we're not yet changing behaviour or getting the health benefits. Yes you're absolutely right on here and it is concerning and as what, what you have acknowledged earlier it takes a long time for us to see uh, substantial changes in these outcomes at the population level. And we're definitely not seeing as much progress as what we would hope to see. On the brighter side, there have been some encouraging steps towards Global Physical Activity Act in Series 1. For example, the WHO Global Action Plan for Non-Communicable Disease Prevention and Control includes a 10% relative reduction in prevalence of insufficient physical activity as one of the nine targets to be achieved by 2025. Some WHO regions, such as the European region, have developed their own physical activity action plans, which provide specific guidance about what to do. So what we really need to do now is to advocate for more investment, more engagement and support from different sectors to work together to implement these actions. It's more about implementation now. And you touched on a new angle for Series 2, this whole concept of sedentary behaviour. And it's increasingly relevant, isn't it? It's really important we've got some new insights into sedentary behaviour and what we should be doing about it. Can you give a little more detail? So I think this is going to be very interesting to many people around the world because we all relate to it as part of our lifestyle. I can summarise the findings from this paper in simply one sentence. That is, sitting is not killing you as long as you're active enough. So specifically speaking, if one can spend 60 to 75 minutes per day being physically active, then the increased risk for mortality associated with high sitting time is likely to be eliminated. This is good news in the way that, you know, we can actually undo the harm of sitting by being physically active. But unfortunately, at the population level, there are very few people who are active at this level to be you know, active for more than an hour a day. Again, this finding reinforces the importance of physical activity. But also, Melody, um, and this is your paper, I think, so I think you, you can give us quite a view on this. Very, very important, particularly in terms of politically getting change, getting people to countries, political systems to invest in physical activity. You and your colleagues in your paper in the series have actually documented, estimated the financial toll. It's an eye-watering financial toll that physical inactivity brings a cost to health worldwide. Tell us about this. So what we did was that we based the healthcare cost of five major chronic diseases and the lost productivity costs due to premature death associated with physical inactivity. And then we estimated economic cost of physical inactivity of 142 countries. As I mentioned before, that represents more than 90% of the world's population. And like what you mentioned, this is the first global estimate of this kind. And we're very excited about being part of this process. And what we found was that even when we conservatively estimated Physical inactivity costs the world economy $67.5 billion international dollars in the year 2013. So that is equivalent to the goods and services 67.5 billion US dollars could buy in the US in, in the year 2013. So that's a huge number. And I think one way for us to think about this giant number is that this is the cost of inaction. Because every year around the world, 
the government, the private sectors, and households were paying a fat bill for physical inactivity. Currently, in many developed countries, like you know, in my country, Australia, a very small fraction of the healthcare budget is actually spent on prevention. And within the prevention budget, the funding allocated to physical activity is minimal. So we really, really need to urge, use this opportunity and use this estimate to urge the governments to take immediate actions to invest in physical activity by implementing population physical activity promotion strategies that are not only proven to be effective, but cost effective. So we often say that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This is the perfect time to bring up this statement again. Investing in physical activity by making active choices the easy, the cheap, and accessible choices will not only generate health benefits, but also economic benefits and even beyond. Finally, Melody, and you've touched on this a little bit earlier, just remind us about the global targets that are out there. You've mentioned about a 10% increase in physical activity measurement, just comment on that again, and also how this fits with the sustainable development goals that obviously take us to 2030. So physical inactivity is a pandemic and it, it is such a substantial issue that it is highlighted in WHO's uh, 2025 prevention targets. We talked about that earlier. I'm glad that you brought up the sustainable development goal because in addition to promoting health and well-being, the solutions to this pandemic of physical inactivity could have auxiliary benefits on several sustainable development goals outlined by the U.S. And including environmental sustainability of cities and communities and climate action and economic growth. We now know that physical inactivity is a global pandemic and it requires global action. And we have an action plan and clear targets. What we need now is collaborative effort through evidence building, advocacy, media coverage and community engagement to create long-term political commitment in each country, each state and city. It is important to bear in mind that specific action may be different in different countries and, and at different levels. This paper on scaling up interventions from the series provide very useful resources and clear guidance on how to take action to a higher level and how to align physical activity ob objectives with broader social, environmental and sustainable development goals. I just have to mention the Rio Olympics uh, starting on August the 5th. Do you think it's helpful, the fact that we have the physical activity series positioned just before the start of the Olympics? Because despite all the controversy that's going on with Rio over the Russian competitors, over the presumed threat or not of Zika virus and other political turmoil that's been going on in Brazil. The Olympics, let us not forget, still a, a global shop window for physical exercise, aren't they? Absolutely. We're very excited about that. And that's exactly why we time our launch of the series in time with the Rio Olympics. Because, you know, every four years, that's the time when we all take a little break from what we're doing and we, we take a little break from all the conflicts going on in the world and all the bad news and we really focus our attention on uh, celebrating human performance, celebrating sports and you know friendship that people built through sports and all that. It's, it's a very exciting moment and I think it is a good moment for people to stop to think about their own physical activity as well, not just as spectators to watch the athletes perform in the real Olympics. 
I think that's a very healthy, positive way to end our discussion. Been a pleasure talking to you, Melody. Good luck with the launch of the series. I'm going to go and get on my exercise bike. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. It's very nice speaking with you.